We're going to look more closely now at how the fight to end affirmative action was orchestrated. Some scholars and activists say it was consciously pitting Asian Americans against other communities of color to bring about the end of the policy. NPR's Sundia Dirks reports. In 2015, the conservative activist Edward Bloom stood in a nondescript conference room in Houston in front of about a dozen Asian Americans. How do we go about making it impossible for universities to use race and ethnicity? Bloom's the main force behind the fight to end affirmative action. He's not a lawyer, but he's repeatedly used the courts to try and roll back civil rights-era legislation. He was also behind the case that gutted the Voting Rights Act. To end affirmative action, Bloom had first used white students who were claiming discrimination, but those cases failed. I needed plaintiffs. I needed Asian plaintiffs. And now he was looking for Asian Americans to play the role of affirmative action's victim. In big issue cases, it's common for legal activists to cast plaintiffs, says Berkeley law professor Ian Haney Lopez. But the recasting came with a rebranding. This isn't really about white people at all. This is really about harm to minorities. Except that's not really true, says Oyan Poon, who studied Harvard's admission data. There is no evidence that there's a practice of anti-Asian discrimination. Poon is a visiting scholar at the University of Maryland College Park and an expert in race and admissions. She says the data does not back up Bloom's claim. Anti-Asian racism is very real, and there is evidence that there was bias by some admissions officers, ranking Asian Americans lower on personality traits. But Poon says what happened here is something different. Predominantly white conservative political forces are leveraging this experience of being racially marginalized among Asian Americans to say, yeah, and by the way, there's this policy that you're not benefiting from. I feel like Asian Americans have been used. That's Jeff Chang, a senior advisor at the social justice nonprofit Race Forward. There is an entire history of Asian Americans working very hard to get affirmative action programs established. Chang is part of that history. In the 1980s at Berkeley, he and other students got the University of California to admit they were suppressing Asian American admissions in favor of white students. The name of the group he co-founded? The Student Coalition for Fair Admissions. The name of the group Edward Bloom founded two decades later, Students for Fair Admissions. Chang doesn't think the similar name is a coincidence. I know that they had to have been reading the stuff that we were writing. The lawsuits Bloom filed on behalf of Students for Fair Admissions didn't name any Asian American students. But one or two have spoken publicly, including with Fox's Laura Ingram. We found one student from that group willing to tell us why he believes he's the victim of racial discrimination. And it turns out he's a minority, too. 18-year-old Georgia Tech student John Wong was rejected from his top six schools, despite stellar grades and test scores. So he turned to Students for Fair Admissions, who ran his numbers through their model. Edward Bloom told me my results, and so they said I had a 20% chance of gaining admission to Harvard as an Asian American, and then a 95% chance as an African American. This is key to the attack on affirmative action. Asian American rejection is directly tied to Black and Latino acceptance, says Sally Chen with Chinese for Affirmative Action. Pitting Asian American communities against, in particular, Black and Latinx communities is about undermining the accomplishments of a lot of Black and Latinx students. And she says it taps right into the model minority myth. 
That's the stereotype that Asian Americans have been able to bootstrap their way to the American dream solely because they are hardworking, says Janelle Wong, director of the Asian American Studies Program at the University of Maryland College Park. It is a really important tool that has been used historically to undermine other non-white groups pressing for justice to say, well, this non-white group, Asian Americans, can succeed, so why can't Black or Latin A groups? The myth ignores the long legacies of systemic racism faced by Black Americans. It ignores selective recruiting of highly educated immigrants. And it enforces a false story about Asian Americans, who are not a monolith. Research shows that those Asian Americans who internalize this myth are also more likely to exhibit anti-Black attitudes and to be anti-affirmative action. Wong says this false narrative that Asian American seats are being taken by less qualified Black and Latino students isn't just racist. It's a misdirect. The recruitment of Asian Americans into this movement provides a cover for white supremacy. A 2019 study found that 43% of white students admitted into Harvard got in because they were legacy students, their parents had donated large sums of money, or they played a usually pretty expensive sport. Quote, removing preferences for athletes and legacies would significantly alter the racial distribution of admitted students, with the share of white admits falling and all other groups rising or remaining unchanged. But Bloom didn't sue to end legacy admissions. He sued to end programs that boosted minority admissions for those who've historically had less access. Bloom didn't respond to our request for comment, but he's called accusations of racism intellectually lazy and has said it's unclear who will benefit from the end of affirmative action. But Oyun Poon, who studies race and admissions, says it will help white and wealthy people. To think somebody like Ed Blum is going to come along and basically bamboozle young people into thinking like these policies are actually against us when they're actually for us. It's just heartbreaking. Poon and others say affirmative action was not perfect. It was a Band-Aid over a deeper wound of systemic racism and inequity. But the Band-Aid has been ripped off. And at least for now, Poon says, there's no longer anything in place to stop the bleeding. Sandhya Dirks, NPR News.